that is the allure of Hollywood and frankly of our society is to have the Tesla, have the house, have the fancy job in terms of acting, be on the show, have a good IMDb score, get recognized on the street, be be a working actor who can sustain themselves. All of that is freaking fun. And listen, I'm not going to lie. It's so fun to be a spokesman and to just like <laughs> have essentially a salary to just like fly around every now and then and like do appearances and to like shoot stuff. And that's a freaking fun time. And it's okay to enjoy that. Fully enjoy it. Absolutely enjoy the fun time. But I equate it to youth because being young is fun, but it's going to fade and you're going to be sad when later you think about your youthful years and how you don't have that anymore. But it's okay because you didn't have it all together in your youth either. So you just have to like be present wherever you are in your life and recognize that no amount of material or industry success will ever turn off that existential dread that you are inevitably going to feel. And the solution to that is just feel it. Be okay with feeling it because that's what it is to be human. Everybody, this is Slate It Till You Make It. I'm your host, Katherine Donnelly. And before we start, if you have a second and haven't already, please like, subscribe, rate, review. If you're loving this show, all of the support we can get will only help us be able to do more episodes and expand and help other actors and people who are really just curious about getting into the business. So please like, subscribe, share, do all the things, and let's get into it. So today's industry guest has been procrastinating his way to the top since 1998. A video maker since middle school, he eventually fell into professional acting in 2013. He's achieved consistent commercial bookings throughout the years, as well as numerous appearances on Jimmy Kimmel Live. You'll find him street performing improvised music on Venice Beach, as well as co-hosting his two backyard comedy shows, Show and Tell Show and Fresh Fish. Please jeer and hiss at the forgettable Kyle Health. I'm not naturally drawn to like, I got to do this thing. So many actors, it's that trope of I was eight years old, I was four years old, whatever it is, and I saw whatever movie it was, or I was at whatever, whatever live show, or I, and I saw such and such actor, and that is what I wanted to do. And then that's what I've set out to do my whole career. And I am so lucky that I've never had that. I think I have always just sort of said yes to whatever makes the most sense in life. And I've fallen into whatever situation and whatever opportunities in life that I have. And it just kind of has all happened automatically, like everything kind of does. I mean, everything just happens based on who you are and the choices you make. It's just that my choices that I made weren't based in some higher plan to be anything. My choices are always just based in, well, what seems fun and are the people that I'm with fun? I, I really just mostly followed community and I mostly followed the people that I wanted to be around. Because ultimately that's that's the goal anyway, is to just like have good company because we're social social creatures, right? I have so many questions. Yeah. Um, are you an alien? Yes. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, guys, thanks for joining us. This is Slated Till You Make It. Uh, we've been interviewing an AI named Kyle Health. Um, bleep, bleep, glorp, glorp, bleep, glorp. <laughs> it's so refreshing to me to hear somebody in this really like 
notoriously competitive industry be like, I've never really had either like the aha moment or like the, this is when I knew I wanted to like be a XYZ actor or be in, in this, in the world. I just follow the feeling and the community and the fun. And these are things I love to do. Did you have to cultivate that mindset or were you just born with it? Like Maybelline? I think I was straight up Maybelline. I was Shut fully up. Maybelline. For context, I'm 35 years old. I just started therapy two Congrats. months ago. Thank you. So it's not like I've been like doing the work to cultivate my like mindset. <laughs> okay. Nor is, you know, but I, I think I just have, I think whether you want to call it laziness, I've just, I've <laughs> just always just been not one to be drawn to a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one to be drawn to like a challenge unless we're talking like, you know, like game night or something. And it's, a, <laughs> and it's a particular video game or a board game that I happen to be good at and enjoy, but I have to be good at it. Like I'm not typically one. I mean, not since when I was a kid, I was very shy and I spent a lot of time playing video games. So just automatically I got good at certain games and then those games became fun for me to play with other people. But it's not, it's never been my thing to like see something, aspire to do it, work really hard to get good at it and then achieve it. That's not anything I've, I've had in me. And a lot of people say for a lot of people, it's like, well, that helps bring you purpose. And that's true. It really does help bring you purpose to like have goals, keep learning, keep improving and get better at life. And that is absolutely something that I do need to like start doing for my uh, little fragments of depression that creep in here and there. It's all about expressing yourself and like bettering yourself. And that takes some intention. Maybe that's the word. I, I'm not really intentional. I don't know, but maybe I am. To answer your question, I just sort of float. I've always just been sort of floating around and not really like having a big goal. But it feels like that floatiness has served you, at least in these things that you've ended up in. So far it has. So far it has because I've been blessed with a general vibe that people enjoy more or less. And that in the context of commercial acting, you know, books, commercials, I suppose. But even even like in college and such, when I was just like, I just wanted to make silly videos and whatnot, people wanted to make videos with me. And that's that's lucky, right? Like we all have the hand we're dealt and you just kind of have to work with it. So for me, I just, whatever I have has been working more or less. I feel like I am a very type A goal-oriented person who can vacillate between high achieving and floating because I'm a Gemini, but it's cool. You don't hear a lot of people be like, I used to just shoot funny videos because it was fun. A lot of people are like, I feel like I have to shoot this video because if I'm not shooting a video and aiming to be on funny or die every week and getting seen, what am I? Like measuring my worth in this creative output. Whereas like you're on the complete opposite end of the spectrum where it's like, I really like doing this. I have no expectation of it. It's just bringing me, it just feels like you choose to live in like a, what would be fun headspace. And for some reason you're able to work with that mindset. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I try to follow the fun and I try to just forget everything else. And there's a spectrum that like, I think there's a healthy balance that I'm probably a little unhealthy on the side of being a little too laissez-faire. Recently, it's, it's like, I feel aimless, but I've always been aimless. I've always told myself I didn't get where I got by having a plan. I just fell into where I, I am. 
and I just have stayed with it. But inevitably, I think the longer you do something, you get tired of it and you want to like switch it up. And that's totally common. So there's a little bit of that in me. But sometimes it's just a matter of like, you know, changing the the route you take on your commute, something as simple as that, or like changing, you know, if you're already a performer, just like perform in a little different way or try a little different thing. You don't need to like make these huge life changes. But sometimes my anxiety kicks in and I'm like, oh, God, do I have to move? Do I have to like do all this stuff? Just yeah. little changes to keep it fresh. Just wake up a little earlier than you normally do. Something yeah. like that. Just something simple. that will trick your mind into thinking or your body into thinking, I'm doing something different and it, it's it's kind of new. And it, you're right. It could be subtle. Like in the, I come from like a, the fitness world of many years. And one of the philosophies is you just got to keep your body guessing. And mm. the reason I love that so much is because we do fall into routine and it becomes blah and like maybe you're hitting your goals or whatever it is but you don't want to feel that sense of autopilot because then it's like you're not like really living and also like why are you doing this thing it's like you just kind of kind of wake yourself up sometimes like slap yourself in the face pick up a new hobby or like go try something weird or if you've been doing sketch your whole life take a different type of comedy class or if you're hanging out with the same you know seven people for the last 10 years it's a lot of random numbers maybe (laughs) maybe hit someone up that you haven't seen in a while and reconnect there's a lot of different ways to just like just kind of shape shift your world and to know that you don't have to like leave town to start over to feel something new totally and on that note kyle i know we've been friends for a long time and i won't put that in air quotes i wanted to put that in air quotes i feel like we've been in each other's like ethers probably eight years um yeah something like that and i've never really got to know you as a person but i always just liked being around you i liked going to your show and tell show um for the listeners kyle and your roommate still do you want to talk about that show real quick i'd love to show and tell is a show that we've been running out of our backyard for nine years it happens every month on the last Friday of every month. It is called Show and Tell because it is a video comedy screening where there is a little break in between each video for the next filmmaker to come up and present the video you're about to see that they have made. That's why it's called Show and Tell. And that's what makes it so different from a lot of these other screening shows where it's like a collection of videos. Typically, you play all the videos in one giant block and then maybe there's a Q&A at the end where it's just entirely too long and you just get a bunch of random people and you have to kind of figure out who made what. But with our show, there's no question. You meet the person, they give a little blurb, and then you immediately watch their video and then you meet the next person. We love doing this show. It is all unreleased videos. So nothing has, the rule is nothing can be online publicly yet. So we're really encouraging creating new videos for show and tell, but we'll, we'll, we'll accept whatever as long as it's not publicly released. And it's all comedy. Follow Show Tell Show on Instagram and we'll uh, post the address and such on the day of. And it's in our backyard. So it's really low key and you can like bring whatever you want to partake in and you can. It's just a nice little hangout. You know, it's about 80 to 100 people more or less every time. It's really grown. Yeah, it's really grown. And on that note, it's very lucky that we even have this yard. We've been renting the same house. (laughs) 
for 11 years that we found on Craigslist in 2012 in in East Hollywood, where massive apartment buildings are just being put up all over the place. You know, any second, our house, could, I'm sure, could be just demolished and turned into an apartment. But until then, we're just enjoying it. And I see that sort of insecurity as a metaphor for life because nothing's really secure, no matter how hard you try. So you just have to enjoy the moment. And you might get a huge buyout when your place gets demoed. So that would be, <laughs> that wouldn't be terrible. That is so cool that it's grown. Cause when I was going, I sporadically went, you know, I feel like there's always like 20, 30 yeah. people, but that's incredible. And I'm so shocked that there's no like noise complaint issues. Like you can just, I mean, there have been, right? There's been. Oh, noise. sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But our solution, and this is really Seth Ward leading the way, is like actively reaching out to the neighbors and giving our cell phone numbers to all the neighbors. So that way it's like, hey, please text us or call us if something is disturbing you and, and we'll handle it. There's no point getting the city involved. Yeah, that's but, called communication. It's yeah, good. it's called it's community good... and communication, you know? You do this beautiful thing in your life. And again, I guess I'll go back to what I was saying, which led us into show and tell. I feel like I met you in the sketch world, probably doing the not Chris Pratt show. I, yeah. was, I would watch it all the time and ran into you at social functions throughout the years and, and comedy. But I feel like you keep coming back to the word community. And I find that also refreshing because LA is, and you may disagree, but it feels like you cultivate community in all of the things that you do and you're really good at it. But LA can feel like a very hard place to tap in or to find a community. Are you just like a naturally connector type of person? That's one question. And then the other question is like, what advice would you have for someone who's just moving here? Who's like, oh man, I feel pretty isolated. And I don't know, Kyle does a lot of cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. LA is very hard. It's known to be a very difficult city to find a community and certainly more difficult than, for example, New York, where everyone is sort of it's much more walkable and like you find yourself in scenarios much more often in that kind of city LA everyone's in their little box and you have to drive all over town and you have to be very and again you have to be very intentional about okay what am I going to try to do tonight to like have a good time what am I going to go to tonight to meet some people if your goal is to meet more people what advice do I have? I think it's just a matter of just go to all sorts of things. Just go to all the things and just be listening to yourself and just trust your gut and don't be afraid to jump in. It's hard, though, if you're in a new place and you don't know anybody. It's very hard to dive in and just like go up to strangers and be like, hi, what's your name? But I promise you that it's almost always appreciated when you do that because it's very likely that those people you are walking up to are feeling the same sort of shyness. Once you flex that muscle a few times, it just gets easier easier and easier. In terms of finding events, I can tell you that there's an Instagram account called showlist.la and every single day they post 15 or 20 free shows every single day all around LA. So that's a great way to just go to a free thing that's going to have people and it's going to have some sort of stand up or com or uh, or music and that's just a great way to like meet people. Yeah, meeting people's hard, but it's possible. It, you just have to be intentional about it. It's not just going to happen automatically. No, and I think LA is a type of 
city. Well, a lot of people moved here for their career, and so they will always put their career first as a byproduct. And mm. it sort of becomes this thing where, like, someone will probably flake at a thing because they have a, an audition in the morning or they got booked on this thing. And I feel like that sense of community takes a backseat often because we're always vying for a job and we got to take what we got to get. And it's that thing. But coming back to what you said about flexing your social muscle and just going out and saying hi, like that can be really terrifying, but it's so important to continue to try to do it because it will get easier. And I think a lot of people, that muscle atrophied during the pandemic. I know for me, I'm an extremely extroverted person, but I found coming out of, you know, two and a half or whatever years in like a lockdown-y yeah. situation, I, I felt really weird about showing up to things, especially alone. Even if I knew who's going to be there, I would be like, well, what am I supposed to... I just feel like we're coming out of that too. So it's... Yeah. If someone's really anxious, maybe about like just showing up to places and seeing shows, like, you know, you could consider even just signing up for a class to meet people. It's like a nice built-in way to have to meet people. Like improv is a beautiful place to start. Listen, anytime you're weightlifting, it's going to be painful. So I'm here to tell you, I'm almost back to my kind of like, oh, I don't mind showing up alone or like, it's going to be fun. I'm almost there, but it literally has taken most of this year for me to be like, I'm just going to show up even though I literally just want to stay on my couch. It's very comfortable. I like my dogs. I don't want to go anywhere. Da, 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 da. But it kind of took being pushed out of like an eight-year relationship to be like, whoa, I have a lot of social muscle flexing to do. And right. I just kind of feel like I can really empathize with, I guess not like a newcomer to LA, but someone who's just a little bit more like, eee, this is anxiety inducing, you know? Yeah. And you're such a natural, I don't know, you're like, you're just such a floater. You're yeah, out there. Definitely not a sinker. <laughs> that's for sure. You're not. Well, I don't want to sink her. That's gross. That's, <laughs> that's some potty talk. So you have show and tell. You have all these things you do. I really want to know because I don't know. How did you even start auditioning for commercials if you're somebody who is like, I don't really have goals. I just set intentions and like, I just want to feel like, how did you even get here? Where are you well, from? <laughs> born and raised in San Jose. Uh. Just uh, a big city with a small town feel because things close early. And, and nowadays it's just tech central so it's really expensive etc but one of my first interests was making silly videos with my friends around maybe late elementary school middle school vibes just my dad's vhs camcorder so i'd make these silly videos fast forward to like doing the morning announcements in high school and like doing video classes there so i was like okay it's college time what do i want to do well video production makes sense and i grew up in the church so a lot of my friends went to Pepperdine University in Malibu, which is what I ended up doing. I got a sick grant. They, they, I mean, this might be insider, but they give you like a sick grant if you're the particular sect of Christianity that they are, which is Church of Christ. You like type in a little box that appears when you select Church of Christ, a little box appears. It's a that, little like, hack and a little admissions. It's a little hack. For hack. It's like it's like where what's your <laughs> what's your home church and and who's the pastor and leave a cell phone number or whatever. So then they double check on that and if it's legit, then there there it is, half off right there. So oh feel my free. god, so go ahead, whoever's listening, uh, if you're interested in going to Pepperdine U, uh, <laughs> there it is. But I was also encouraged to like send a DVD in the mail of this was 2005. So DVD in the mail of some of the videos I made in high school to the like department head of the video department at Pepperdine. And that got me special consideration into the school because my grades were just kind of mid 
And yo, I got in and I got another scholarship for that. So I was very lucky to like fall into Pepperdine, but I, I only considered Pepperdine because I already had a lot of friends who were already there. Cause that's just kind of like the path in the church of Christ. It's like Pepperdine is one of the major schools on the West coast. So a lot of people go there. So there I was in Malibu already in Southern California, finishing up at that point I had met Seth word cause he also went to Pepperdine. So I've he known him did? now. Yeah. I've known him now. So 15 years. I've known Southward and worked with him intimately 15 years from Pepperdine. You know, we're already in L.A. So when it was time to move out of Malibu, we just all moved into a big apartment in North Hollywood and Southward was already doing improv. I wasn't a big improv like I wasn't really a performer. I would like be in the silly videos I made, but it's not like it was ever something I expected to be a source of income. I just did it at, because it was fun and if i wanted to make a video and i knew i could do something in that video i would just play that role but i just expected to graduate college and then maybe like become a director of photography but of course looking back it's like pepperdine's not a film school it's <laughs> it's a liberal arts college that has a broadcasting center and it has it sort of teaches you like communication ethics it's very it's sort of like a slop. I mean, I don't want to trash talk Pepperdine. It's great. One of the big reasons I went is actually as a freshman, you get access to all the camera gear right away versus UCLA and USC. You have to go through two years of general education and then apply to the film program then. And then you get access to renting the gear. So Pepperdine was awesome to just like immediately get access to like really good quality cameras and, and lighting gear to just make stuff. So that was a big plus. So go Pepperdine for that, for sure. So cut to we graduated and now we're living in NoHo and we discovered iOS. Rest in peace. Love iOS. I know it's the best. But Seth Rode was like, yeah, we're doing a, an improv team called Interrobang with all of our Pepperdine friends. It was like eight Pepperdiners. Well, seven. He's like, well, let's make it eight. Kyle, you got to jump in. You're so funny. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And he's like, he met Seth Rode made me do improv. So I did improv. I was terrible at it. I never really got good, but I did enjoy it because the community was so strong at IO. You know, it's just a bar off of Hollywood Boulevard and you get in there and you can hang out. And then right there in the back, you just pop into a show, whatever. So it was a great community. And so after doing improv for like a year and a half, maybe it was around, it was 2013. And I just was noticing that a lot of my friends who were doing improv were also in TV commercials. I was just like noticing that. And I'm like, oh, well, I mean, I've seen their improv. So if they, <laughs> I know I'm not like a great, I'm not like main stage improviser, but I'm at least like a little more clever. So I, I was just sort of like, well, look, I've been trying to do freelance video production and editing stuff for like two years. And it's just okay, you know? And I just was like, well, I might as well try commercials. So I just created an LA casting account and you pay the, at the time it was like 20 bucks a month or something. And I just started self-submitting and I would get 50, 100 emails every day. And I would just go through constantly submitting my stuff. And I had made videos my whole life. So I, I had a pretty good reel of just stuff that I had made. So from those materials, fully self-submitting, I like booked a handful of little things. And I was just like, this is freaking great. I freaking love this. Actually, 
because <laughs> you just had Karen Ryan on the podcast. Mm-hmm. She was my first booking, actually. She booked me on this back in 2013. It was like a spec episode of um uh like a a cooking reality show based around food trucks. And so they just wanted to cast people to quote unquote play the food truck drivers, you know, just to show the concept. So I just like we went up there, I went over there and I wore a silly looking jacket and I was like all goofy and silly. And she was like, Oh, you're great. I have to keep you in mind for the <laughs> for my for my comedy stuff. I love the comedy stuff. And she loves fresh faces. I mean, she's great. Karen Ryan is, is so really great. lovely. That's a good impression, by the way. Good job. Oh, you know. Well, it's just my Roma Downey, you know, because I grew up <laughs> watching Touch by an Angel. <laughs> but but she, you know, she booked me on our first thing. And then the makeup person on that job was like, you're really good. You should talk to my friend, Daniel Hoff. And I'm like, your friend is Daniel Hoff? Because I like <laughs> knew I'd yeah. heard of I was like looking into agents because I've been doing it a while. And I was like, maybe I need an agent because that's how you get the big stuff. And so he's like, yeah, just show up to his open call, which they don't do anymore. But he was like, show up to every week. There's like oh, an open call and just say my name on the little sign in sheet. And sure enough, I put his name down on the sign in sheet and they like called me out specifically to go back into the office and meet Daniel Hoff. And I was like, whoa, this is like a crazy hack. And Daniel Hoff just looked at me and he's like, all right, great. Well, you know, just, you know, read the copy a bunch and then just show me who you are. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, which is good advice. Just like know the copy and then just be yourself, basically. So I read and then I got a callback and then I got signed with Daniel Hoff. And and then off we went and I had a pretty good handful of years, you know, booking stuff through Daniel Hoff. And so that's pretty much how I got into... And it wasn't until a year of booking like good nationals where I was finally comfortable telling people, oh, I'm an actor, you know, because I just I never saw myself as one. I had to have that external validation to be like, oh, yeah, I'm an actor because professionally, that's what I put on my tax returns because that's where my money comes from. But then, of course, the longer I do it and like the more I fail at theatrical auditions, the more I realize, you know what, I'm not an actor. Cause I'm not, I, I'm not great with like a lot of copy. I'm not great with memorization. I'm not great with like, at least naturally, you know, I'm sure I have the potential to, but I'm not like great at like digging into my emotional well, mm. et cetera. So I'm actually very open about like, well, yeah, I do acting, but I'm not like an actor, like a stage actor is an actor. Cause commercials are just sort of be yourself within these circumstances. And, right. But, not- but and and that's what I'm pretty good at doing. What I'm not great at doing is like dive into this character, like be this person, like lose yourself and be this other person. No, forget about it. That's that's so hard for me to do. It just feels fully disingenuine, which acting is. It's being a putting yourself in and and that's something where you either have it or you don't. And I'm totally okay to admit that I don't have that skill. But I've always been okay with that because commercials pay the bills. So I'm like, I'll just be a commercial performer. We out here. <laughs> yeah, we're, we are out here. And it's such an inch. I love 
I love this topic because I, I do think about it all the time. I It was Willie Mack on the show. He's, he's a stand-up comedian and incredible actor, but mostly does commercials. And it was the first time I had ever um, had a conversation where he said something that I had always been playing in my head, but I have never said it out loud. He was like, you know what's crazy? He's like, I could be sitting at my desk and get an audition for like primetime show, some like guest star thing. And then a minute later, get an audition at 200 South for something that's a comedy. And, and it's like, it's not like I don't want to work, but he's like, when I get that guest star thing, he's like, my stomach always drops. And I don't know why. And then he's like, and then I'm just flying high when I get that audition at 200 South, something along those lines. And I'm like, that's so crazy. Like, not that I feel the exact same way, but I feel like I was, I always judge myself for feeling like, oh man, theatrical auditions are a lot of work. Maybe I'm just lazy or I don't want to like go there unless it's comedy, which requires work. But I feel like I can bring a version of myself to that and I don't have to like be a victim who just lost her leg and she's crying yeah. and there, yeah. you know, and then she's also in love. And so it's hard. Yeah. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is like, I didn't realize that it was it was okay to just be like, I vibe more like with commercial acting and it doesn't make me not an actor, first of all, or lazy or bad. It's just like my set of skills happen to be really lined up with this medium and it is a very bizarre, bizarre kind of job that we have to do. But it's truly just being yourself in a set of given circumstances, but it's just very condensed moment, but being able to like flesh out that moment as you would. And it sounds so simple, but I think for a lot of people, when push comes to shove and they like maybe do their first audition or they're they're like, how would I ever even get a callback? I think it's really hard to be yourself on camera and say someone else's word. Was it always natural for you in the beginning? Do you remember the early days of auditioning? Yeah, I was just so, so excited. And I think that's probably why overall I feel like I book less than I did when I started. And that could just be my look has changed. And so they don't want old man health anymore. Or it could be that I'm a little, <laughs> yeah, it could be also that I'm, you know, I'm jaded a little bit now. I, I I've booked huge things. I mean, I'm still live. I'm still living off of this five year spokesman gig that I booked and to have achieved that. And then it, it comes and goes and less and less people recognize you in the street. And then you just go back to doing what you were doing 10 years ago. It's like, all right, I'm part of that Hollywood club. of <laughs> I ch achieved fame in a sense, certainly, and fortune, at least my definition of fortune. And then it came and went. And now here I am. But even if I didn't achieve that massive amount of success, <laughs> the phenomenon of being jaded happens to many actors and many people in any sort of industry. It's you're doing the same thing your whole life, big chunk of your life, at least. And then you're like, is this all there is kind of thing? And we're now we're going back to we'll just make little changes just like do something small to freshen up your your world. But to answer your question, I was so freaking stoked. I mean, I was 23, 24 years old and I was like, I'm sorry, you're going to put me on television in a general auto insurance commercial? <laughs> I'm sorry, I booked it and now I'm getting a million text messages from everyone. I'm sorry, is this real life? Like it was a freaking high. Never mind the fact that they paid me a thousand dollars all in. <laughs> oh yeah, hell yeah! But it was my first like national, actually national run spot. So like, yeah, a thousand bucks. 
give it to me. And then, of course, you quickly realize, oh, no, 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 I need to set some standards or else. Or also be know, on the streets. <laughs> I'm just doing myself a disservice. And also, I mean, that's the idea of collective bargaining. You have to like set a standard and like roll with it and like commit to it. But I, at the time, I was so excited. And so when I got an audition, I like was just happy to play because I, I was like doing the improv and I wasn't good at it, but I loved doing it. I thought it was so fun. And so when I got an audition for something, I was just like, this is great. I'll just try to make them laugh. I love making people laugh. So I'm just going to be silly and make them laugh. And so that was just, I got a high off of doing that. And that's why I love the in-person callback because I have an audience to like really perform to. And that's another thing that's changed 10 years later is everything is virtual, even callbacks. You show up in the office, but you're performing to a faceless laptop and there's no laughing. It's just, you're doing the thing. Maybe there's, maybe the camera guy, you know, it's those moments where you show up and there are like three or four people on the couch for the callback in addition to a virtual people. And you're like, okay, at least I got these four people I can like really connect with and really just like be a person and be like a normal chill person who can also make you laugh and follow direction. I think starting out, I was just so excited that I that excitement, along with me being so young and fresh faced was just like, yeah, this guy's this guy is just grateful and happy and like silly. And like, yeah, we'll book him because we love watching that. I was so nervous too. like I was always so nervous. And now, of course, I've done it. And so like, I'm not nervous anymore, but actually being nervous is a superpower because it just makes your brain run so much faster, which is actually a good thing in a lot of contexts. You just watch someone who's nervous and you can tell. And as long as they're not like, I mean, there's bad nervous, but then there's like good nervous where like they're just super on, you know? And so for me, like I, sometimes I fall in the trap of like, uh, I don't know, not to ramble, but like, Every job is different. And sometimes a director or the client, they see someone who's nervous and it's a turnoff. They want someone who's just chill. In fact, some of the biggest things I booked, I like didn't care. I was like having a really bad day, you know, or I had like a lot of other stuff to do afterwards. So my brain was like thinking about the other stuff. I wasn't putting so much stakes behind that particular audition. I've tried to assess, well, what's the best way is it better to be nervous or is it better to like show is it better to show like uh, i don't really care about this whatever and i think it's just you're you're at the mercy of whoever's booking you because it's as it's as simple as oh you remind the director too much of their ex so you're not mm -hmm. going to get it or like there's already someone who looks like you and they just they don't want too many people who look like you in the spot like there's a million little things that determine whether you're going to book something and mo and all of it is not a, like you're only responsible for like 10%. Just like do your best. Otherwise, the rest of it is fate. At this point, do you now like your mindset after an audition or callback? Do you just like literally put it out of your mind? Yeah, but you that's that is what I've always strived to do is like, just forget about it. Just forget about it. It does nothing to like mull it over. The classic piece of advice, which is true, is don't tell your parents what I audition know. for. That's the best advice in the fucking world. Absolute best advice. But don't mull it over at all. You know, I take a keep the photo of the of the like fitting dates and the shoot dates on your phone just in case you book it. You can like reference that photo only every now and then I, I have a callback that goes 
so well that I like mark the shoot dates in my phone just in case, like every now and then. But that's so rare. And it's honestly best to just forget about it. Like, don't think about it. And and that's what that's a really good piece of advice is to like plan something for after the audition, especially if it's an audition, like if it's a theatrical audition that you really want, or if it's like a big SAG thing that you really want, plan like like a friend hang afterwards. Or like plan to do something with someone that you enjoy after that audition. So that way you can just focus on something else. Keep your brain focused on a positive thing instead of just sitting around hoping that you book the thing. But it helps too that I've always had a consistent amount of auditions flowing in because mm-hmm. pretty early on, like when I first first started, like I would really get confident with like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm booking stuff. That means I'm capable of booking stuff, which means I really want to keep booking stuff. And so then I would get frustrated when I didn't book certain things that I wanted. So then I kind of had to steer back to being like, well, yeah, I want this, but it's just... It's not everything. It can't it's be not, everything. It can't be everything. And another great piece of advice is you book the room, not the role. So you book the room. It's not about booking the individual role because there's a million factors that you can't control. But what you can control 100% is how you are in that room because they will remember you for next time. They do and they will and they will call you in and you will book from those other jobs. You just got to like be like, did I leave a good impression? then I then I did a good job. And even if I had an off day, it doesn't matter because there's going to be something else that comes up later. They're always going to flow in. Yeah. And then just to widen out further, it doesn't matter that I bombed the audition and that I didn't book that thing because even if I did book that thing and even if it did turn into like a spokesman thing, then what? Then you're just going to want to maintain your spokesmanship. <laughs> yeah. And and the high of the success of booking will always fade. It will always fade. So you have to just always focus on not the material successes of like, I need to book this big thing so that way I can just have the money and that way I can have the respect in the community that I am the guy who's on this show or I'm the guy yes. who's doing the spokesman. That is the allure of Hollywood and frankly of our society is to have the Tesla, have the house, have the fancy job in terms of acting, be on the show, have a good IMDb score, get recognized on the street, be be a working actor who can sustain themselves. All of that is freaking fun. And listen, I'm not going to lie. It's so fun to be a spokesman and to just like <laughs> have essentially a salary to just like fly around every now and then and like do appearances and to like shoot stuff. And that's a freaking fun time. And it's okay to enjoy that. Fully enjoy it. Absolutely enjoy the fun time. But I equate it to youth because being young is fun, but it's going to fade and you're going to be sad when later you think about your youthful years and how you don't have that anymore. But it's okay because you didn't have it all together in your youth either. So you just have to like be present wherever you are in your life and recognize that no amount of material or industry success will ever turn off that existential dread that you are inevitably going to feel. And the solution to that is just feel it. Be okay with feeling it because that's what it is to be human. And you can't 
it can't all be sunshine and roses because that's not what it is to be human. That's what it is to be a cute little golden retriever puppy. You can just lie on the grass and just like eventually get so confused and old that they die in a haze. And that's why being a puppy rules. <laughs> but, but being a human rules too. It's yeah. it's great power to be a human. And so you need that great responsibility of like managing expectations. Yeah, and just leaning into the whirlwind of the roller coaster and the cyclical nature of the business we're in and how it does affect our emotions and flipping it on its head and being like, well, isn't it so cool that I love something so much that I could have a desire for it to happen? And then when it does happen, it's so great. And then I feel so terrible on the downturn. And then I'm back to square one and I'm just auditioning. And I have such high expectations because I did this really fucking great job. And I was almost like, you know, I was kind of famous in my own head or whatever the thing is. And then here I am just waiting for the next one or just feeling like, am I even good enough still because no one knows because I'm not doing the thing. It's like you have to have the contrast and yeah. just lean into the way you feel and just show up every day. And what I'm hearing between the lines and what I know about you to be true is just like keep filling up your life. Choose to make today great and like have fun and be intentional and connect with others. And you never know what's around the corner. So don't get hung up on not getting the callback or not booking the avail or whatever it is, because at the end of the day, you have zero control of who's going to point to your face, but you do have control of how you feel. And I know sometimes people are like, I can't control my feelings or I just want it so bad. I'm like, that's okay. It's okay to want it really badly, especially if someone's like not booking yet or they're getting a lot of callbacks and they're really like in that kind of upward kind of struggle of like, I just want the thing. It's like, good. it's really cool that you want the thing and it's that's going to power you to keep going. But just know that when you get the thing and then the thing goes away, you're left with you and your and your world and just kind of shifting your focus to like not everything needs to hold that much weight. The less weight we can give the thing we really want, actually, the better it's going to be for our, our mental health, our emotional health. Like just fill up your life. Anything goes. Right. We don't, we don't actually know. Easier said than done. It is. But it's interesting. Like, is it possible to control your feelings? And if so... Is it better to control your feelings? Are feelings meant to be? I mean, I guess if you're an actor, the idea is you can shift yourself into feeling something. But I guess it's more about your thoughts instead of your feelings. Like these intrusive thoughts of like, I'm not enough or I'm not doing enough or I'm not worth enough. And that will exist no matter what you try to do in life until you learn tools to manage those thoughts such as self-forgiveness and being gentle with yourself and just again managing those expectations i think we have expectations because we compare you know again comparison it's the thief of joy back to the very beginning if there was a weird law that only allowed you to book one commercial a year you know, a weird law, okay, then you would feel more content if once you book that commercial, you would feel great that whole year. You're like, hey, nice. I, I checked the box this year. I feel accomplished. But we live in America where it, it's never enough. And it's not just an America thing. It's just, it's never enough, right? Like, yeah, the more you do, 
you just want more of it. You want to do better every year. You want to increase your income every year. You want to increase your clout all the time, right? So it never I goes think away. It never goes away. It never goes away unless you, to quote Jack Plotnick, my favorite acting coach, you have to release and destroy the need to be anything or do anything or accomplish something or anything. Just release and destroy. Just release yourself. Free yourself from needing anything. It's it's hard because some people will tell you like, many people will tell you like, I can't just turn it off. Like, I really need this. And if that's your truth, then then honor it, I guess. I don't really have the answer to that. This is another quote I like. You, you suffer the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. And I don't have a lot of discipline. So I do, I do have, I deal with a lot of like regret and I have to manage that. But I guess the takeaway is like, look, suffering is inevitable. You just have to like, you just have to be okay with it and recognize that everyone is, everyone's feeling these things. Everyone is. And if you're just comparing yourself to someone else's exterior self, then of course you're going to feel bad because, you know, you're not doing as well, quote unquote, but that we're humans. You just have to like be gracious, just like have that gratitude, like, hey, look, I'm here. And isn't life crazy? And isn't it lucky that we're, you know, in our case, we're in Los Angeles. Like, that's cool. And and eventually, once LA feels like stale, it's like, okay, well, I can do, I have the power to change whatever I want to change to a degree. So like, you know, am I going to like switch up my social circles? Am I going to start traveling around and maybe figure out if I want to move somewhere else and just like totally, you know, shift into more small town living? Who knows? There's no right or wrong answer. It's just these small, small life questions, you know? Oh, yeah. Am I going to buy a place in Joshua Tree and just get off the grid? Yeah. It's got to have a cold plunge. <laughs> it's got to have a cold plunge. Kyle and I were in Joshua Tree last weekend and... um we did the cold plunge, and I will say that I, uh, not to talk about competitiveness, but I did exceed Kyle's it. time. You killed it. <laughs> Ten, killed literally tenfold. You did two minutes, I think. I did two, maybe three, but I went in five times on the last morning just by myself. Wow. No one was watching me. I just did it. Wow. Your heart could have stopped. Could have, but- found your body on ice. You know what? <laughs> At least I would have been fully preserved. That's right. You, you died doing what you loved. You know? Yeah, and you would have found me because you were still sleeping. So that's yeah. life. <laughs> we got to have one person that, just to hold down the the fort in case anyone dies in a cold plunge. But you see, that trauma that I would have experienced would have then sparked my theatrical career. <laughs> yeah, I would have. I was gonna because say. now I have the emotional well. <laughs> I'm I've lived such a cushy, privileged life that there's no way I could be a professional comedian or a professional <laughs> actor. I don't have anything <laughs> to traumatic pull from. enough. I know, no. but my dead body would get. I would love to. You know, I don't want to die for you, but if I, if that took, if your career took off because of my dead body, all the power to you. All I would ask for is that you create a trust fund in my name, and well, I wouldn't have any kids, so all I would ask for is that you throw me a kick-ass funeral. No guarantees. Okay, <laughs> thank you so no, much. No, we would. We will. <laughs> we'll definitely put something in there for you. Yeah, you'll 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 do a little something on the side, a little side funeral. You thought gender reveals were lit. <laughs> Your funeral's going to be 
bonkers. I'm so excited to watch from above. It's going to be fucking awesome. I want to talk a little bit about, you've been referencing this campaign that you did, and I think it's, is it the one where you're going to Mexico a lot, and then yeah. it's for the beer? Can we, can we talk about that? Because that's just yeah. a time. Yeah, it was December 2015. I'd been acting for like two and a half years. I kind of was in the groove, kind of knew what the deal was. And I, I got this audition for white guy who can speak spanish and of course i like double checked i'm like i'm not fluent and they're like we don't care they just want some guy who can like manage copy just can read spanish copy because the whole point of this character was that he's a gringo he's a white boy obviously a white boy but he really loves the mexican culture he really wants to be like a homie and like be one of the boys in the group of Mexican friends. Uh-huh. And allegedly this is this is a trope in like in certain Mexican circles. I guess there's always that like light-skinned guy or at least the green they call him the gringo, you know. <laughs> and it's a trope. So anyway, I freaking booked it and it I didn't think anything of it at the time. Right. It was a, it was at a time where I was getting a lot of auditions and and you you never know what's going to turn into a big fat campaign. You really don't. Um, every now and then you'll get an audition that's like, we're looking for a spokesman. But this was just like, yeah, it's going to be three spots. The whole buyout for all of it was like twenty five hundred or three grand. Um, not terrible for twenty fifteen, but still nothing to shake a stick at. And you know, it was shooting in Mexico. And I just went in there. I'm lucky that I took Spanish in college and I I enjoy speaking Spanish. So even though I'm terrible at it. So I was like happy to go and like do the thing. And I just goofed off. And I think there's this one dancing part of the audition. And I got down and I did the worm (laughs) like terribly, (laughs) you know, I think like (laughs) to give like to give like actual tangible callback advice, just go for it. Just be like if it if it feels right, just go for it because they can always talk you down versus you know, they can always say, okay, just do a little less versus do more, please. They'll never they'll never say like go crazier, they'll just be like, okay, next. But like I just went for it and they just liked my vibe and I booked it and we we shot down in Mexico City and it was a cool experience and I did the three spots and it was a blast and exhausting because down in Mexico we did like 15 hour days like 16 hour days there's anything goes in Mexico anything goes <laughs> I'll tell you but they loved it and then I I went back up to the states and Christmas happened and then we started 2016 and I just went on with my life and it wasn't until like May of 2016 where I was stopped at a gas station on the way to the beach and like some old lady at the gas station was just like, are you the guy from the commercial? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, the beer commercial? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I did a beer commercial. She wanted a photo and I'm like, what the heck is going on? And turns out it was just a hit. And they they called me shortly after that because it started airing and they're like, we're going to take you to the Rose Bowl. The, Mexi- the, the Mexico's soccer team is playing at the Rose Bowl. So we're going to like have you there. So I'm like, oh, OK, sweet. Like just I get to just run around at the Rose Bowl. No permits at all. Just two guys with DSLRs and me in like a jersey and face paint. And I was just like at the soccer game, like hanging out with people who were tailgating. And it was Beatlemania, Catherine. It was getting out of the, like everyone wanted photos everyone was mobbing me once the game ended 
we were trying to leave and like production was just like okay okay the van's gonna pull around here so like duck through here because more people are trying to get photos with you because word is spreading that you're here your character is here because this it's a beer commercial so they play on like telemundo like when the soccer games are playing that's where they really play these commercials so this was the demographic (laughs) and we we, you know years later we ended up doing another uh soccer game appearance in like colorado and it was the same thing it was like we got to get him out of here because now the game's over and everyone's drunker and it was crazy so that that was i tell you Catherine, a fucking high insane so uh, unreal and i just felt stoked i felt freaking stoked about it like i'm over here being like oh fame doesn't get you anything but in the moment it is pretty freaking cool it is pretty (laughs) cool i'm sorry fame (laughs) is freaking awesome so yeah it just you know it just became a thing where you know every couple every year and a half or so we like negotiated another rate and that was always a stressful thing because i wanted more you know we wanted more we wanted to make sure we're getting what we're worth here um but we we ended up getting a good salary and a a monthly stipend to just they have access to me to shoot me for 10 days i think it was 10 or 20 days of the year um including like you know i did a parade every year on mexico's independence day the character is gregorio if you want to look it up it's on you just like youtube it like people have uploaded uh victoria beer commercial gringo or victoria beer commercial greg gregorio it'll all it'll all show up they don't really have it living anywhere because now that they've finished me in 2021 they move on to like different you know campaigns so you just kind of have to find stuff on youtube but it was a whirlwind it was awesome the whole thing all together was about five and a half years and i was just unbelievably lucky but i remember when when it was like 2017 and we just finished doing like we just signed it was 2018 i think and we signed our like four-year contract so we we got that locked in and i was driving back from daniel hoff agency and i was thinking to myself how relieved i was because it was the whole week was like trying to play hardball and actually they like played the thing where it's like oh we thought you guys passed so we moved on and then that's when i panicked and i was like okay fine fuck it sign it i don't know if they actually felt that way but it worked on me i was i was scared so i like settled for what the sound but it was still very good and boy oh boy i remember driving home and thinking i wonder if this is the worst thing to happen to my creativity because I'm set. I don't have to do anything now. I don't have to do anything. Listen, I, I, it's not buy a house money. I still couldn't afford a house. It's, but it was just, you're good. Like you don't have to worry. And I just remember thinking, I wonder if this is going to just make me even lazy. Ah, <laughs> And I I don't know. I, I don't know if it did necessarily, but I'll tell you, if you compare me in 2013 when I first started and I was hungry and excited, I was very freaking happy to audition and to do this stuff because I was paycheck to paycheck. And I, and I really was just excited to get paid to perform and to do creative stuff. And then fast forward five years after that where I'm like on this like, spokesman contract i'm like huh it feels great 
but now what you know now what because the thing about commercial is that they don't want i can't leverage the fame there is no kyle health is this guy follow him on his no i still to this day only have like three thousand instagram followers 3400 instagram followers there's no leveraging that because that's they don't want people to find the real me so it was this weird feeling of like i feel like i'm getting recognized every other day in my own neighborhood and yet how do i build from here and i never could really figure it out and also me not being fluent was also a barrier in like me being able to like become a genuine like figure in their community i was just sort of like a mascot goofball kind of person i don't know what what the conclusion of this thought is but it's just worth noting that no matter what level of success you achieve you're always going to fall back into your neutral state so do the work figure out who you are and practice gratitude and and just follow your bliss no matter how much you fail or succeed i mean you look at people who win the lottery and it's like a known phenomenon where they're stoked but then for some of these people six eight months later they've blown it they've blown all of it because they just went ham and now they're just depressed and they also don't know who to trust because everyone knows they have a ton of money so they don't know who are my real friends this is very popular for fame as well like now that i'm famous who do i trust you know and so you just got to be careful when you're like comparing your life if your goals if the goals that you're setting are based in comparison of someone else's career then now it's what you were talking about with that your goal isn't at, at someone else's rainbow you know your goal is your gold is your own rainbow so and your own rainbow is just it's just you and who you are and what turns you on so around 2018 is when i like really fell into like my music stuff so like a cliche now i'm like a little music boy and i and i <laughs> do like quasi dj gigs randomly and it's really fun and i and i feel so alive and like nothing gets me in a flow state more than performing on the street at venice beach just going for hours and just every now and then maybe I'll get a crowd of eight people and I just feel freaking alive because I'm at my I'm on the beach which is my favorite place and I'm playing music which is my favorite thing to do and I'm getting like maybe five or ten dollars and it doesn't <laughs> matter because and mind you I'm back to pretty much where I was financially it, it just comes and goes and I think it's it just really put it in perspective like I was able to sort of I mean I just fell into this niche fame that I mean that's the thing about being recognized by strangers is you start to expect it and it's like a dopamine hit you feel like you feel like you're almost accomplishing something just by like Existing. being recognized and existing and you feel validated automatically and that's chill but um then when that does go away it it really does feel bad you like, like a oh withdrawal. no what yeah. am i what did i 
do wrong now that I'm not getting recognized like I used to? Was it something I did? And then you start being like, well, what can I do? How can we like, how can we like boost the campaign again? How can I get rehired? It's like, it's not up to me, dude. It's not, it's always up to the client. It's always just up to the client. And I don't know. I'm just taking it one day at a time. It, it, and that's what I mean by like, did this kill, kill my like creativity? Because like now I like, I became used to that like success. So, so I, it took me a while to then just like equalize back to just like, dude, I'm just happy that I'm still here. I'm just happy to be here now. You happy know? to be in LA and you have your music and you're still auditioning yeah. and you're filling your life in different ways and you're continuing to move forward, which is all we can do. Cause I think, I think like you touched on so many things, but people think that getting the thing is going to make them what they always wanted, which is just happy. And maybe you're happy in that for that moment or that day or that five years or whatever the case is and everything comes and goes. So it's really like how you choose to exist moment to moment and be just be just I think it comes back to gratitude it's like all right I get to be here I get to live in the city I get to design my life how I want it I get to see these friends tonight or I get to go to sleep early it's like changing your vocabulary and your mindset because there's really no guarantees and I, I will also say like I agree with so many things that you that you mentioned. When you do start booking a lot more work and and feeling good and then expecting a lot more work and then maybe you're not able to like meet that same quota, like that can feel bad too. It's like you hit these different thresholds in your career where, you know, and, and it's hard to measure in this career whether or not you're doing well, but the bar continuously gets higher and then sometimes it's just taken out entirely and you're literally back at square zero. Sometimes I do this psychological experiment with myself and it's like, if I had an unlimited amount of money or just like a monthly stipend that would support me doing whatever I need, rent, food, gas, extracurriculars, traveling, whatever. And then I was able to just focus on being creative. What would I change? Would I change what I'm doing? How would I live my life differently if I knew that the money side was taken care of and it was just up to me to fill my life up as best as I could? And really like the assignment was to just be like, have a fucking blast. We're going to give you 10000 or $20,000 a month. Would I keep doing, would I keep auditioning? Would I keep doing this podcast? Would I be with the person that I'm in a relationship with? Would I not live in LA anymore? Would I fucking go live out on the outskirts of somewhere and just be closer to nature? Like these are all interesting like thought experiments I have because at the end of the day, like the materialism is what a lot of people are going for, like the money, the outcome, the tangible thing that you can get, but that is not correlated to fulfillment. And Mm. the momentary fulfillment of just appreciating what you have and like being very invested in your world and what you're doing and who you're seeing. I think it's something that everyone, you know, it's worth kind of like flipping your perspective a little bit, Mm -hmm. which is why it's just so nice to have someone with your type of mind on the show. You did say the beginning, sometimes you feel like you are kind of far on the spectrum of like, I maybe I float too much. Maybe I'm a little bit too loose or whatever, but we're all on the spectrum somewhere and it's how to integrate a little bit of each and how could we just embrace being human and feel what we feel, not let it drown us, but Just be like, I get another day on this fucking planet. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I have today. I literally have right now. Yeah. And that's enough. Yeah. It's true. Because nothing's promised. Nothing's promised and everything's temporary. And 
just be okay with that. It's hard though, because I, I do not like discomfort. I don't like, of course, you know, I don't like being discomfort feeling discomfort, but I mean, again, cold plunges. The whole point is that you're, you force your body to feel the discomfort so that when you come out of it, you just feel so alive. So personally, I have a lot to learn because I could only do 20 seconds in the cold plunge. That's the, And that's the first thing Kyle said when he got out. He was something along the lines of, wow, I wonder what this says about my mental capacity or like yeah. my life outlook. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, nope, don't want to do that. I'm You're out. You're like disturbed. You're like, what does it say about me? <sighs> you know, I like, I'm not one to commit to something if it, if it doesn't immediately feel good. I like bail on it, you know? Wow. And there's, there's, I don't know, there's pros and cons to that. There's, there's no wrong or right way, you know, C going on a podcast like this. I, 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 I don't know. I think it goes without saying, but I, I'm not here saying like, this is how you do it. This is the right way to think or the right way to feel. It's just, I'm not even going to say that it's what works for me because I don't even know <laughs> what works. What is the definition of something working or not? You know, <laughs> because, because that's all sort of a form of comparing. I mean, I guess I could compare my past to my present, but again, if you're going to be present, then what's the point of doing that? You sort of... Whoa. You, you just have to be a tree, you know, just be okay with growing in whatever context you're in. If, if the light changes, then you're going to slowly grow towards the light and that's okay. If, if you lose a limb, you're going to keep growing. Maybe you'll grow a few more branches slowly somewhere else. There's no wrong way. There's no right or wrong way to do anything. And, and sometimes you just, you could listen to a million podcasts that give you advice, but sometimes you don't. You don't learn something until it happens to you. And that's the beauty of being a human. That's the beauty of experience is to experience, you know, for a lot of people, they need the goals. They want to strive for stuff. And that's honestly awesome. Like do that because it's true. It's true to you, you know, in that moment. I'm not sitting here saying I'm never going to have goals. In fact, it would, it would benefit me. I know it would benefit me and I'm, and I'm working on that. You know, I'm working on like giving my life a little more tangible purpose and direction. We all operate in different ways. So just listen to your body, you know, don't think what you're feeling, just, just feel it and observe yourself and just be gentle with yourself. This feels like the religion of Kyle. I want to convert right now. Well, I did just see Death Cab for Cutie twice at the Hollywood Oh, you Bowl. ended up going again? Oh yeah, I got oh. lucky with this uh, Craigslist ad. There, there. It's all scams. It's <laughs> A all sentence scams. you you never normally hear someone no, say. No, <laughs> no. But I I got lucky because they they texted back or they they gave a phone number and I texted it and it was Blue Bubbles and so I texted them and they called me and they're like a real person in Burbank. So we transferred the ticket, fifty bucks. Bam, bam. Ben Gibbard is a fucking poet. And that is a line that he wrote. You shouldn't think what you're feeling. They don't tell you what you know you should want. Is that that's the line. It's just be present. It's just the never ending practice of like, do what you feel like doing and just show up. And if we're talking about auditioning and, act and acting, just show up in those circumstances. Again, I'm going to plug Jack Plotnick. It's all about release and destroy the need to book a job to do anything a certain way you can 
rehearse whatever you want. But once it's action, once you're doing that audition, just however it comes out is how it was meant to come out. And you're just showing them a way it could be. You're not showing them the way that you've practiced. You're showing them just one of the ways it could be. And that can just be based off of how you just want to surprise yourself. And that that's true for life. You know, it's more exciting when you're just sort of surprising yourself all the time. I love it. I love it. Where can we find you on social media? Well, my very popular Instagram page is Kyle Health. It's Elf with an H in front of it. Health. So K-Y-L-E-H-E-L-F. And you'll see just a random collection of uh, my music clips and my silliness and promoting of uh, my various shows that I do. And please check it out. And if you're ever in the Venice Beach area, if you happen to live there or if you want to check me out, shoot me a message and I'll let you know when I'm going. It's a good time. Show up, you guys. Just show up and be present and flex those muscles of of taking just taking a shot and doing it and feeling it but not overthinking it right we're not overthinking anything unless it's fun you know it's just gotta be it's gotta be fun (laughs) oh god oh man if it's fun if it's fun see that's the thing there's it's hard to like put a neat little bow on this because god damn it i'm trying i'm trying to bow it up i know you are and i'm just the worst (laughs) guest because i'm like well actually no (laughs) but (laughs) but it's but as long as it's fun and it feels good and you're, you know, you're not hurting anyone, then that's then that seems to be working for you, you know? Yeah, I love yeah. it. I, I, this has been so this is like food for the soul. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to have to have you back to talk about many other things. And, and maybe who knows, you could be uh, in Joshua Tree or, uh, you know, I don't know, somewhere way far away at that point, just live in another version of reality that's right this has been a very special episode kyle and i are going to keep slating it till we make it even though he did make it and then he feels like maybe uh no i'm just kidding he's made it he's made it all the stuff's going to be in the show notes and uh please be sure to like subscribe send it to a friend review us rate us that's how we're gonna keep helping more people and we love you so much we'll see you next time bye bye